I'm great, Alan. How's everything up there? Good. Now, you did an early game. How hard is it for the broadcaster? I know the players, it must be very difficult, but how hard is it for the broadcaster to do a 10, I think, 10.30 a.m. game, play-by-play? Yeah, it's not hard, honestly. I'd like to, you know, maybe lie to you and say it is on my end, but, you know, we normally work uh, 8 to 5, and I'm usually in the office by 6, 6.30 anyways, uh, you know, even on non-game days. So, um, you know, it's it's no extra uh, work on my end. It actually is you know, kind of refreshing on my end because uh, we get out by lunchtime. So it's actually pretty nice. But um, yeah, from a player standpoint, it's a little bit of a, you know, a wrench in the day, I guess, if you will, but it's their normal practice time. So uh, hopefully not too much of a wrench and obviously great to have, you know, almost 9,000 kids here. I I just hope it doesn't, you know, cut into your uh, photographing, uh, photographing food on the road. I saw that you got a meatball sub at uh, meat and bread, which looks really good, really, really good. How was it? This is, I've, I've now proclaimed it my favorite road spot uh, in Calgary. I forget what Ave, by the way, uh, in Calgary, like there's still like number avenues and then there's number streets and they all <laughs> coincide. And I never understood that. Like uh, I grew up in South Boston and letters went one way, numbers went the other way. So if we could fix that in Calgary, it would really help. Um, but anyways, but yeah, the, the, the meat and bread, uh, it's downtown. It's by the, uh, the, the tower there. Um, kind of near our hotel, uh, and it's it's fantastic. They probably do like five or six sandwiches, and it's literally meat and bread. Um, you know, there's a porchetta sandwich that's kind of number two for me, but uh, the meatball is definitely the number one. I love a guy from Boston <laughs> shouting out against another city. Boston is like, it's the spoked city, right? Like, it's sort of like a, a wheel. It's all kind of congregates in the middle oh oh don't get me wrong boston's boston's grid makes no sense either however <laughs> at least you know what direction you're going in i'm on the corner it was i felt like kramer i'm on the corner of first and first i'm at the nexus of the universe here <laughs> all right so i have many condors questions beginning with this uh when they traded for uh got cam Deneen last year i thought okay puck mover based on what i'm reading and the numbers that he's put out and then they signed hoffenmeyer uh, and Gleason, and there's three guys that I'm kind of looking at and going, okay, I've got to be able to, over time, differentiate between these three guys, and I'm still having trouble. They all seem to be really good AHL defensemen and, you know, borderline NHL guys. It, it seems to me like they got three really good guys here over the summer in free agency and then a late-season trade last year. Yeah, and I think they've contributed, and I, I kind of tweeted yesterday, I think it's been the best defensive team um, in the Condors AHL era. I, I don't think that's understating. And I, I mean, that's even with the years of, you know, Caleb Jones and Nathan Bear and, and Brad Hunt early on, um, you know, lately with Evan Bouchard and now into this new kind of era of Condors hockey. And um, yeah, there's three solid, you know, I'll call them tweeners, I think. Um, Gleason, I think, is probably the more uh, rounded 200 foot style defenseman. A guy who can skate. He's a one-man breakout. He's probably the. That's probably the reason why he's the first call-up, I guess, if you will, out of the three. Um, Cam is a leader. Uh, he's a guy who, um, you know, I think has been better defensively than I thought, even from the Tucson days uh, when we saw him a bunch. We kind of knew him from a, a power play and offensive standpoint, but he's had a nice defensive side to his game. And I think Hoffenmeyer, I think, has the the best shot out of all three of them. And I think it's more the offensive side of things, but they've been great. They've paired well, uh, you know, throughout the course of the season because you have the stay-at-home types with with the Kemp's and the Warners and the uh, Nemo Linens of the world, and then you add in kind of the ingredients of those three, and it makes for a, 
a pretty good back six, honestly. Uh, it's a tough decision back there each and every night as to, you know, who gets what. And, um, you know, I don't envy the coaching staff in that aspect. But, um, yeah, they've been, uh, they've been great additions. Well, and uh, the, the, for me, the guy to watch, I, I, I try not to because I want to see everybody on the ice, but I'm drawn to Warner because he's a rookie and he stepped right in. And he, it seems to me, and you would know better than I because you, you call the game, but it seems to me Warner and Deneen, they get real minutes. Like they're not a depth pairing at all. No, and I mean minutes. I think are, are more spread evenly. I think on the back end than maybe you see in, in the NHL. Um, you know, but they are listed as our, our top pairing defense most often. Um, you know, any night and and Warner for you know for his credit, he's you know played you know top minutes on the penalty kill as well too. He's taken on a pretty big role. And, and has there been you know mistakes? Has there been hiccups? Certainly there has been, but that's to be expected. He's a twenty year old defenseman in the American Hockey League. And he's learning that. He's been in big situations. He's been in end-of-game type situations trying to hold down leads. He's been on PK trying to hold down leads. So I think it's big for him. He's got a quiet confidence about him. Uh, really impressed with, with his first year early on. And, again, we're, we're not even a quarter of the way through our season. So uh, I think he, you know, he's had a really good start to the year. Uh, one question I wanted to ask you because fans want to hear about it, Ryan, and that's uh, Raphael Lavoie. He came up, he played six games, gets sent back down. Fans were upset that he got sent down. But this happens a lot where a player comes up, figures out what the league is like, and then he goes back down to work on a couple of things. How has he looked since he went back to Bakersfield? Yeah, he's been his same. Um, and I think we've we've been battling some injuries here. And he had been running a little bit with, uh, with Brad Malone since he came back down. And then uh, Brad's been out of the lineup for the last uh, three or four games here. So, um, you know, I think, you know, for Raph, I think at this point it's about trying to find someone for him to, to be able to play to his skill set, um, you know, and, and trying to figure out where that is, whether it is a Peterson or whether it is a, a McKeg uh, up front, um, you know, but, but that needs to, you know, be adjusted. Uh, I think, you know, Raph, you know, has abilities to take over games. He's shown flashes of that in the second stint back. And, um, you know, I think, you know, he, he's, again, on the cusp of, of whatever the – the terminology we want to use, whether it's a tweener or on the cusp, I mean, he's right there. And, you know, you've got to get him scoring, though. I think that's his bread and butter, and, and I think that'll start coming. So uh, there's the other side of this, too. Xavier Bargo, I see him being, like, really good without the puck, and he's great on the forecheck. Offense, maybe not where you want it to be. Uh, Savoy, Tulio just coming back, and he's looked good. How are these young wingers doing? Are they separating themselves at all, or are they still kind of in that zone where they're still learning in the AHL? Yeah, I think Borgo had his best week this past week, uh, at least string, you know, two or three consistent games together. Tulio being back adds an element that, you know, this team needs, adds that, you know, kind of speed and, and forechecking ability. Um, you know, he had three assists in his opening three games, um, you know, being able just to impact games that way. Uh, and, and hopefully that's a sign of things to come because I think if you look at it and, you know, Borgo's get three goals this year, uh, Savoy just scored his first one over the weekend. It's still early in the season. I mean, we're, you know, 17, 18 games in here, but, you know, this next swath of games, uh, you know, to, I'll, I'll say to the new year and then, you know, kind of into that first month of January, we're going to play a ton of games here. We're going to have, you know, three, three game weeks and, and two, four game weeks coming up here. So, um, you know, it's definitely going to be, you know, a, a time for, you know, guys like Borgo and, and Savoy and Tulio to really take that next step. And that's when they turned it on last year. Um, you know, Borgo had, you know, 13 goals last year. Well, six of them came in three games. So um, same thing with, with Tulio had the, the hat trick down in, in San Diego. That was part of his 13 goals. 
Savoy had a couple of big games, and that was part of his eight goals. So um, I think all three of them being healthy is a positive first and foremost, and now they're being able to impact themselves uh, in the lineup here moving forward. So uh, organizations have to make moves or or decisions that are sometimes for the, the greater good. Uh, and Olivier Rodrigue has been patient. He hasn't played a lot recently as Jack Campbell's uh, trying to get his game back together and then get back here. Calvin Pickard looked very good up here. Stuart Skinner has righted his game. And Rodrigue's numbers are, he has, doesn't qualify uh, because he hasn't played enough games in net, but he looks really good this year. Uh, do you see Rodrigue getting more games here in the in the near future, or do you think it'll still be Jack Campbell's net for the most part? I think so, and I think it's just going to have to be out of, you know, first and foremost necessity, right? We're going to have a lot of back-to-backs here coming up. We have a lot of Wednesday, Friday, Saturday type situations. So, um, you know, I think right now, I think just the schedule kind of worked out where, you know, we're only playing one game every five, six days here. That's going to change after um, basically this weekend we play Saturday in Coachella Valley and then, you know, basically play three games a week for the rest of the year. But, um, yeah, all I mean, he, any situation he's been thrown in, he's been successful in. Um, you know, he was the, the COVID season back up to Stuart Skinner when he emerged and, and really took over the net. And then the second season he was able to come in and really, you know, find his game with Calvin Pickard and, and being able to, you know, be a nice tandem with him, especially last year, two goaltenders in the, in the top nine and save percentage in the league. And they both qualified at that point. They were basically playing, um, you know, split minutes. Um, I think that was probably the plan going into the year. And obviously things have changed, um, but all he takes everything in stride, I think for him, um, you know, whenever he's called upon, he delivers a, a performance that gives the team a chance to win. He did so the other night. Um, you know, we just been a little snake bit offensively here the last two games, but, for Rodriguez, I mean, there's no rebounds. That's why there's no shots against Ollie Rodriguez because there's no rebounds, there's no scramble. Uh, everything is calm. Everything is, you know, set back there. And, you know, I think it's been a, a big boost for the organization. I think that Pickard got hurt last year when he did because it allowed maybe some eyes to open up and say, hey, you know, Rodriguez is a guy who can, you know, really toe the line here and, and be able to take, you know, the majority of the play. So, Obviously, things have changed this year. Um, we'll see what happens moving forward. But, you know, for Ollie, I think, you know, he he's a true pro. He's a kid who's grown up before our eyes, and he's done everything that's been asked of him for the last, you know, three, four years. Two more questions. The first one is, is uh, it seems to me as though the schedule is picking up here a little bit as we head towards Christmas and then after uh, going into the new year. It, it always feels to me like Bakersfield plays less than everybody. Is, is that true, or is it just my imagination? Uh, it's true this year. I wouldn't say it's every year. Um, so the, the one caveat to this season, uh, San Diego is playing more games out of the division than, than anybody. We only play four games out of the division out of our 72. So 68 of them are spent, you know, inside the division. Well, we have 10 teams in the division, so that's nine opponents. While San Diego is playing 24 games outside the division. So when they're outside the division, you know, that leaves one less opponent every weekend. And it's just the way it's worked out, honestly. Um, you know, I think we, you know, we, we typically have a lighter start to the season anyways, but this year just felt like it was much lighter, um, even across the league. Uh, I mean, we're still probably three or four games in hand on, on everybody. And, you know, at some places, six or seven games in hand. So uh, the schedule is definitely going to pick up. It's going to be, a you know, an NHL-style schedule here um, starting, you know, basically right after Christmas, you know, like I mentioned with the three-game weeks. Final one is, uh, I, I know that you mentioned it online yesterday, but you've seen a lot of players go through Bakersfield and call the games. It's nice to see Mike Kesselring have such success. I mean, obviously, Oilers fans would like it to be in Edmonton, 
but he he looks like a part of that young Coyotes team that is doing well and he's having success. Good to see, right? Yeah, we take pride in that here in Bakersfield. You know, I know it. You know, for, for guys to develop here in Bakersfield, you know, they might be. And Keith Gretzky kind of talked about this, and he's, I think he mentioned it specifically with Michael Kesselring is developed him so well here in Bakersfield that he was able to be a valuable piece to be moved for something that was valuable at the time for the Oilers. And whether that works out for Edmonton, whether that works out for the opposition, I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's a great source of pride for us. Um, you know, Kess was a, a true pro here. And, yeah, again, another late-round kind of pick that, you know, developed here in Bakersfield, a wiry, rangy type of, you know, defenseman who joined us during the COVID season, didn't play many games, and then, you know, really blossomed here in Bakersfield. Um, you know, and I saw Jordan Osterley a, a couple of weeks ago up in Calgary. You know, we had him as a rookie, and now he's a man with a, you know, a wife and a kid, uh, you know, back in the American Hockey League, you know, 10 years after we saw him the first time. So, um, you know, guys like that, you know, we take great pride in. Um, we'll see probably Caleb Jones down the road or, or Ethan Bear. I mean, those are guys that, you know, we take pride in, whether they play for the Oilers or play for another team. Um, you know, it, it's a great success story. And, yeah, Kess is a, a great story and uh, wish him all the best. So um, keep taking those photographs of the road food, will you? Because I have to tell you, your photography is excellent, but it gives me something to look forward to. So I appreciate you doing that. I'll uh, I'll be sure to keep doing that, and uh, you know as long as I can make someone happy with them, I think I've done my job. <laughs> Thanks, sir. Appreciate it.